we get like boobs in like the first minute. Like yeah. she takes her top off. And I like, think it's also because it's the seventies and they just didn't wear bras. So yeah. I think it's just sort of like That's I don't true. think they meant for boob, but it's like she's taking off her top and, and running. And nobody but wears not, a bra. It's done in a kind of a shadow far away. Yeah, thing. it's a Spielberg tit. It's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna quote that, that TM. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag it. You hear that internet? Spielberg tit. Horror movie survival guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gore hounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store, in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as, as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, geeking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Yay, welcome to the Horror Movie Survival Guide. This is is episode 33. We are the first podcast from Indie Popcorn recording here at the circus. This this episode is about, can you guess? Okay, are you guys done now? Adam's stressing me out. Jaws, 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 Jaws. This episode is titled Amity Means Friendship, which is the nicest thing we're going to say. For yeah. the next half an hour. So this film came out in 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, the second theatrical film from our from our friend, mm-hmm. Mr. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, this film was made for $8 million. Okay. It made $470 million. Is that in 70s money? That's what it made, yes. Wow. Yeah. That's lots. Um, this film was supposed to, t- to shoot for 55 days. Okay. It shot for... 159 days. <laughs> oh. That's so long. That's so <laughs> That's a really long. long time. That's a lot of shark. It's a lot of shark. Wow. So I found this tagline um, online that I like that I never heard before, so I'm going to read it for you. Okay. There is a creature alive today which has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. Try to imagine meeting the devil... With Jaws. Exactly. Exactly. This is welcome to my whole stressful existence with this movie. Even you saying that, just, man, sharks. All right. So let's hear it. Tell us, tell us, tell us about sharks and you. I mean, okay, here's the thing. I I, I mean, I wasn't born when this movie came out, but I didn't see this movie till college. And uh, if there was anything I was less looking forward to than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it was this. Wow. Um, And it's because I am very, 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 very frightened of sharks. Um, And it's not like I had an experience or anything like that. I just think I was eaten in a past life. And I feel like when, and I love monsters a lot. um, And I love sort of strange, unusual creatures. And um, I just like animals in general. And so I dislike it strongly because I don't like going through life being disafraid of anything. Um, But when I see footage of sharks or just, I mean, it's just like I get this tingle up my leg that just stresses me out. And I think part of it is because they are real life monsters that can eat me. Mm-hmm. And I, that is very, and also the fact that you're in the water and you're sort of in their environment and not in your own and sort and of vulnerable. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do and there's not, you know, and it's just the, the enormous mouths. It's just frightening. Like I Primal. just, yeah, it is. It's, I just, yeah. it freaks me out. And it, so 
And I feel like when I sort of talk to people about that, they're like, mm, you saw Jaws when you were like five, huh? And I'm like, no, definitely not. So it comes before. So I think I may have been eaten in a past life or something. I don't know where it comes from. And I'm not afraid of snakes or spiders or heights or right. I don't know any of the things people are afraid of, you know? Um, and I desperately do kind of want to get over it. I've had a couple of offers to like go in the cages. And I'm like, yeah, I should do that. I should definitely do that. because You've it's had offers sense. to go in a shark cage? I have. Um, a friend of mine who... I did a play with a long time ago. Um, he routinely have, will go and like do this. And I don't think it's like great wipes, but it's like, right. you know, but you go and, you know, see sharks up close and take underwater photography. And he was like, do you want to go? It'd be good for you. I'm like, you're right. It would be. I definitely should do that because no. I don't like being this afraid of anything. And it, I know it's kind of a nonsense thing. And also when I see sharks getting hurt, I get very sad about it. Um, but so they just stress. It stresses me out. So there are there are some chunks of this movie uh, you and I just rewatched oh, yeah. that I can't look at at all. Oh, at yeah. all. And it's the most fakey shark, you know. I mean, it could not be more like, you know, uh, a robot shark. And I just, it's no good. So it's this movie's no like good. super, super scary for you. Very much so. Okay. And and more so than I think because the way in which they handle it. I know that sort of sci-fi movies makes these like Megalodon shark movies or right. whatever. And that would do nothing for me. I okay. think it's really because they treat this movie like this animal is very real. And sort of like we were talking about the last podcast about, you know, having characters that you really are into and you you want to see them through the journey. You yes. want it all to work out. But this movie does this very, very well. Yep. And so because I'm so rooting for them. And there's the great blend between, you know, what you can't see is very terrifying. And then when you do see it, it's just ridiculous. It's yeah. a living nightmare. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, you know, this is, you know, <gasps> the first summer blockbuster for a reason. Because this yeah. film's just bananas good. Yeah. And hearing the stories about how horrible it was and how long it took and how it, nothing worked. And, like, it was this nightmare of a shoot that turned into something, like, perfect. And you would, perfect. You, would think, you would never know. Watching no. it, you're like, wow, they've got this thing from start to finish down. Yeah, and the fact that it's like, so cobbled together from so many mistakes and things not working is just, I mean... That's what they pay Mr. Spielberg's epic That's for. what they do. Um, so this film was nominated for Best Picture. It lost to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. Um, but it did win for Best Music, of mm -hmm. course, uh, Editing and Sound. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, um, the editing in this movie is really great. Too. The editing is great. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, we're going to do our little like alternate dimension reality casting here okay. of people you can imagine in these roles. Okay. For Brody, uh -huh. uh, Charlton Heston. So Brody is uh, Roy Scheider, right? Yes. Okay. Charlton Heston. Okay. Or Gene Hackman. Ooh, yeah. could have happened. Um, and then for Quint, uh -huh. which is Robert Shaw, uh -huh. uh, we have Oliver Reed. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. I think he could have killed that. I think I agree. Uh, salty sea dog. No, definitely. Uh, or Robert Mitchum. Ooh, Ooh, I could definitely see that. Okay. And then uh, for Hooper, uh -huh. uh, Jeff Bridges. Okay. John Voight. And Jan mm. Michael Vincent. That the Airwolf guy? Airwolf. Oh, I gotcha. All right. Um, no. I kind of like all our guys. I think I Robert Mitchum is the one I'm the most intrigued by. I do really enjoy Robert Shaw in this movie, though. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Also, I wonder, too, because not only is it about the these three individual actors being very good, the chemistry between the three of them is wonderful yes. and very, very specific in, like, every version of that triangle. And so, yeah, part of me is, like, the switching of it. Like, mm, but what if, like, this person would be more interesting, but the chemistry wouldn't be as good? Right. And then it's not as fun. Well, that's why this movie works so well is, like, they really spend so much time with each of these no. characters that you're like, I know them really well, and they're yeah. very nuanced and, yeah. like... I like a, a Hooper, such a, a weird character. He is. Like he's, a he's an oceanographer, but he's also a multimillionaire. Uh -huh. But also he's like a college boy, but he like eats Roy Shotter's dinner, and it's just like uh -huh. he's a very you know. They, yeah. like, and Robert Shaw and Roy Shotter are also very 
specific. Sorry, Adam's giving me a look because I hit my microphone cord. I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Leave the sir. equipment alone. Um, <laughs> I'm the new Adam. So this um, film, this film was uh, was filmed in Martha Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, which is not a bad place to go movie shooting. No, it isn't, and uh, it actually helped the tourism to the beaches there. <laughs> isn't that funny? That's really funny. Yeah, it apparently like Come, the next... see where other people got fake eaten. Yeah, mm-hmm. strangely, that's like, really funny. Everyone in Martha's Vineyard goes, "Yay!" So Martha's Vineyard is Amity, basically Amity yes. Island. Okay, got it. Um, and so yeah, this takes place on Amity Island, and uh, the beginning of this movie, very classic. We meet. Um, uh, this sort of it's sort of funny it's like this other kind of you know we have sort of our final girls we also often in horror movies have our like our opening girls mm-hmm. who you're going to see for about five minutes and then something yeah, more is going to happen yeah they a lot of play yeah not often but you know she's this one of the better opening girls yes. um, uh, Chrissy and uh, she's making eyes at like a beach bonfire party with this boy very groovy beach bonfire very party very groovy 1975 uh, drinking Falstaff beer they are yeah I getting high yeah. You know, doing all the things and then she runs away from him and he starts chasing her even though he's pretty drunk and she's like we're gonna go skinny dipping and so he's like okay and um, and I really enjoy and again I think it's the because I think Steven Spielberg is such a detail oriented director I like the little touches of they're making eyes at each other but I love that like he can't really follow her or follow her into the water because he's so drunk mm-hmm. like he really wants to he's like oh this girl's so pretty i really want to you and know she like we get like boobs in like the first minute like yeah. she takes her top off i like, think it's also because it's the 70s and they just didn't wear bras so yeah. i think it's just sort of like That's i don't think true. they meant for boob but it's like she's taking off her top and mm. running and nobody but it's wears not, a bra it's done in a kind of a shadow far away yeah kind of it's thing. a spielberg tit it's a yeah exactly <laughs> i'm gonna call that, that tm <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag it. You hear that internet? Spielberg did not take this away from Julia. She will come for you. Um, so, yeah. So, Chrissy basically is like, I want to go skinny dipping. And so she runs into the water, and the guy's trying to follow her, but like he can barely get his own clothes off. He's like, You're running too fast and stuff. So, she runs in, and she's basically waiting for him. And, uh, yeah. So, the beginning of it is where um, she, she just feels something pulling on her leg and has this great sort of like, What is that? and then gets pulled under the water again and then the guy is sort of drunkenly kind of passed out at the side of the water so he is not hearing what is happening and basically it's Chrissy just being dragged over the water and these horrible screams like it's no good no good and she's basically dragged back and forth across the water grabs a buoy and is screaming like make it stop and all this kind of horrible stuff and then goes into the water and it's dead quiet and then it goes back to the water and it's dead quiet and I feel like he does a really good job of sort of um like the horrible things happening in beautiful places, mm-hmm. you know, and there's always that sort of contrast of just like beautiful, 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 horrible, horrible, beautiful, beautiful, you know, and just kind of shows how quickly a life can be taken. Boom, gone, just like that. Yep. Um, so then we meet uh, Chief Brody, played Yay. by Roy Scheider, um, who has recently moved from New York, yes. right? Yeah. He and his family have decided that they're not doing the city thing anymore. They're moving to lovely little Amity. Um, he's the chief of police and uh, he, the boyfriend, is, they say they have a missing person. Um, and they're looking around, looking for her on the beaches. And then his deputy finds something on the beach. And then you kind of see that it's all you, all we really see. We don't really see what they see, but we see like a hand sticking out and like crabs all over it. And you can just tell from their face that what is left of this girl is no good. Yeah. It's not, not a lot. But it's leaving it to your imagination. Which so you, I really enjoy. Where you can come up with something real gnarly. I know. And I do. And I, I do. And well, it stresses me out. Watching this movie with you. <laughs> 
<laughs> was so much fun because you're just like squirming on the side of like cause I'm it, so susceptible. I think it's because I didn't see these things till later in life that I'm just right. I'm I'm falling for all of it. Yeah, like, and I just like I'm singer. like, ah, it's good, it's scary. Know. You know, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna watch every second of this film and like every yep, all bloody and nasty. All right, let's look at it. And Marion's just like, Nope, nope, no, thank nope. you. Yeah, I can't do it. Nope, not at all. Um I'm like Pennywise, I like feed on your fear. And then that makes me happy. Aw. Yeah. What a charming way to view our relationship. <laughs> I'm your Pennywise. I'm your Pennywise. I'm your Pennywise, baby. <laughs> this episode's weird. Trademark. Um, so uh, we also learned that uh, Chief Brody does not go in the water. He's afraid of the water. So even though he now is the chief of police on Amity Island, um, uh, he doesn't go in the water. That's kind of his thing. So he basically realizes that that is some kind of shark attack. Um, and he, th- what I also love about this movie is from the moment Chrissy's body is found, this movie kind of goes into chaos, sort of controlled chaos very quickly. Mm-hmm. And there is so much of Chief Brody trying to get things done and everybody talking over him and talking over each other. And he's trying to convince his deputy to do this while someone else is trying to talk to him about this. And we're getting phone calls and, oh, Fourth of July weekend, blah, blah, blah. And there's just so much overlapping dialogue in this movie that it kind of, I love that there's sort of this that Steven Spielberg doesn't uh, leer away from part of what stresses Brody out. It's not only the shark attack, but the bureaucracy that yes. he has to deal around a shark attack. And that and he's, it's stressful as well. Yeah, and that he's never going to be accepted because it's not an islander. Exactly. They make that clear that Very like he's clear. an outsider, so they're not really going to listen to him because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. So they convince him, for the time being, don't close the beaches. Maybe this girl just got sucked up into a boat or something. Probably not. So they're like, okay. So they keep trying to keep the beaches open, and uh, Brody just sits on the beach to watch the scene yeah oh my god i'm super into this scene and uh, uh, yeah i mean we're gonna slightly film geek out i don't think we're gonna say anything that hasn't been said before you know of course not but like people fucking hell the camera work like it's really great there are these these swipes that they do where they'll have someone crossing it stevensburg has to cover the cut to cover the cut has them Mm -hmm. cross in front of the camera so it just looks like you're pushing in on Brody Mm -hmm. in these amazing and then of course the like the push pull to end all push pulls this like forward slide zoom out craziness it's It's so so good I would I would like just watch that over and over on on loop for the rest of my life and be so happy it's amazing you reckon you realize later because we see so many kind of perhaps less successful push pulls in other other movies, you realize how brilliant this maneuver is. All in camera effect done in 1975. It's so incredible. And it's the moment when um, there's a couple of false scares, but there's a moment where um, the uh, Alex Kitchener boy, is that mm-hmm. right? Uh, goes out with his little raft. And I also really enjoy, a strong word because I don't enjoy it because it scares me, but um, I appreciate that the shark attacks are all done in very different ways. Mm-hmm. It's not just like swim, swim, chomp, swim, swim, chomp. This particular one, you know, sort of the, the Chrissy one, we didn't see the shark at all. It's just her reaction to it. This one is this crazy thing where the shark and the fin and the boy all kind of roll over each other. Mm-hmm. And in the rollover, you see the fin and what's rolling over is much, much larger than the boy in the raft. And that's when that cuts and Brody sees it. And when he cuts to Brody, they do that crazy push pull. And then it's just panic. And then it's just out of the water, out of the water. And so everyone like runs out of the water and, Alex's mom is the only one whose son doesn't come out of the water. So there's a lot of like her looking for her boy. And then you see the raft with the bite taken out of it kind of washed up. And that's kind of where everything starts going off. That's when Hooper shows up um, from the Oceanographic Institute. um, And he wants to look at Chrissy to kind of see what they really have going on. And uh, Richard Dreyfuss is great. Richard Dreyfuss is great. He's just great. Like he's, it's, it's this great combination of like, he's sort of this, sort of intellectual know-it-all 
slash busybody um, that perhaps doesn't have like the best people skills, but he's totally brilliant and totally right. Mm -hmm. And so when he sees, they're like, you know, like, yeah, can I see yeah, the body of the first girl? They should just listen to Hooper. You should. I mean, to this whole to film. And like totally. things would have gone so much better if you'd listened to Hooper. Especially stuff on the boat later yeah. where it's just like Hooper's, hello, listen to Hooper. Hooper's yeah. right. Uh -huh. Perhaps the cage is the only time Hooper was not right. But yeah. aside from that, most of the time, yeah. He's pretty right. Uh, but, but, tip for Jaws, listen to Hooper. Listen to Hooper. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Chrissy, uh, the remains of Chrissy, the partial remains of Chrissy, which is so great, are in a tub. So they're like, I want to see the body. And so you go into the room where you expect him to pull the thing out. And he goes, the coroner goes into this fridge and pulls out this tub and sets a tub on the on the um, the table. And you can see just his, Hooper's reaction to it's a, what's left of the girl is a tub. Yeah. And he pulls off the sheet and he goes, oh, can I get a glass of water, please? Like, and then starts doing his work and again it's great it, it uh kind of reminds me a lot of sort of silence of the lambs where they're sort of describing the victims right. and in the description because you don't see it it's so much more effective and you know where she's torn and what's left and what's this and then he's like this was not a shark attack you guys are crazy like there's a hundred percent man eater out there um you said this is a shark attack you said there's not no, no, he's saying, they said this wasn't a shark oh, attack. He's right, like, right. this is 100% right, a shark right. attack. Okay. You know, this is not a boat accident. Like, you guys are crazy. Like, this is definitely a shark attack. And that begins even more sort of franticism in this movie of um, the city put up, puts out a reward, right? Where, like, if you catch the it. mom. The, oh, that's right. The, the mother. Mom, mom puts up the reward saying, right. if you catch the shark, she'll pay you $3,000. And every fisherman from, like, three counties shows up. Right. Um, with all their boats and all their whatever. And they have this meeting um, to kind of discuss what they're going to do. And the mayor is such a weasel in this movie with his like pastel suits. And he's little like, blazers. Yeah, but he's like, but, but 4th of July, we can't close the beaches on a 4th of July. Like, are you, are you sure? Maybe, maybe not a shark. Maybe not. And they're like, definitely a shark. Um, and we meet uh, Robert Shaw during this town hall meeting where he his, does the nails on his, the chocolate. That's your entrance. His to entrance this, is pretty to the, great. Your introduction to this character is him tearing his fingernails down a chalkboard. And they like, really yeah. do it mm -hmm. and he's drawn like a shark eating somebody yeah. on the chalkboard and he's like i'll i'll catch it and kill it for 10 because it's like three or something they, yeah she's offering three thousand dollars he says ten thousand dollars right here right now i I'll will catch this beast thing, you know? he's like the crustiest sea dog that totally. ever crested mm -hmm. he's great yeah and i like his accent's really great too because in, i think it's one of those kind of old sea dog accents in the beginning your ear has to get used to it you're like i'm sorry what does he say now right. and, and you and i were talking about this that it's one of those sort of old sea dog accents where you can tell he's with him. He's by himself all the time. He doesn't talk to other people. So he doesn't, his, you know, his diction is not good. Like he doesn't, he's not used to being, he has to be understood by other people. He's so used to talking by himself and talking in his own head. He also continues to talk to himself throughout this movie. Just a, uh, yeah. Continuous to monologue. Himself, monologuing to himself. Like singing he's just, old, old sea songs. Yeah. And I really like the specificity of that. Like I really like that sort of like vocal choices of like somebody who's mostly just talking to themselves mm -hmm. and is really not used to people right. in the outside world. And uh, can I just call out that there's a shot of, so uh, Brody goes home. You have a shot of Brody going home to his wife one night uh, where she says my favorite line, want to get drunk and fool around um, okay. where he's looking at shark attack photos Oh and my like, God, forget about this. Yeah. Like, this is questionable, Steven Spielberg. Like these shots of people who have had shark attacks are gnarly yeah. and like maybe not okay. Also, um, there's a kid playing a killer shark arcade game. Yeah. Which is awesome for 1975. Yeah, we I did notice that. I'm like, is that really people really do it in 1975? A little early for arcade games. Yeah, maybe um, not. 
Um, but basically, I like that also really quickly, um, because Hooper and Brody are on the same page about this whole shark thing, like they're palsies immediately. Um, they have this other really great scene that I like where uh, Brody feels really bad, basically, like Alex's mother comes back. Um, they think they've caught a big shark has been caught. And so they think maybe that's the shark. And Hooper's like, this isn't the shark. It's too small. But also we should cut the shark open and see if there's like a little boy inside. Um, and Alex's mother shows up and really guilts Brody into like, you knew somebody else had been attacked and you let the beaches stay open anyway. And she slaps Brody and Brody feels really bad about it. And they have this great scene when it's just him and his son after dinner. And the son is imitating all the sort of like, um, kind of like indicators of sadness that Brody's doing, like sort of resting his head and putting his head in sign, touching his face. And he's just imitating him. Um, and Brody asks him to give, give us a kiss, like right here and make him feel better. And then Hooper shows up. And the little boy says, why? And he says, because I need it. Because I need it. That's yeah. Great. And that's the, great. The Spielberg touch. I mean, it really is. You're you just can't like, fault oh, the guy because he so goes, good. you want a little little cute scene with the father and dad? But See, you're all in with that's Brody what, after that's this. That's what Pumpkinhead does wrong. I don't Agreed. buy it from Lance Anderson. I, I buy it here. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, no. And I and I understand that was like what they were going for. Yes. But yeah. But I mean, because of that scene, even though, you know, Rick Schneider's kind of a crusty folk, you know, guy himself, you're all in with Brody. Yeah. All in, you know, like you're like, yeah, okay. Like, any, you know, anyone who sort of has that relationship with his son, like we're in. So Hooper shows up uh, and they proceed to get super drunk. And, and yeah, and, and he eats Brody's dinner. He like eats Brody Brody's has dinner. not eaten because he's been too sad. And mm-hmm. so he's like, oh, you're going to eat that? And just like slides it over, starts eating. Yeah. And that dinner sequence does a lot of what, again, Steven Spielberg does a lot of, which I really enjoy, which is sort of like these three shot or four shot where they have these prolonged conversations that are uncut mm-hmm. and they just let the actors inhabit the space and, you know, kind of do what they do best. And Brody pours himself a tumbler of wine. A huge thing of wine, which is a great touch, you know, which only really works in that kind of wide shot. So they get really drunk and they go and cut the shark open and there is no little boy inside and they're like mm, we don't have the right one um so uh there's so the, the the mayor convinces them to keep the beaches open for fourth of july weekend which is a oh, horrible idea which like yeah yeah you guys do your thing we just don't want to lose the commerce it'll shut the island down so everyone shows up um and you have this sort of uh red herring of these kids who decide to get dressed up in like a shark fin hat and go swimming just to scare the crap out of people and they do um but also Brody's son takes like this little schooner kind of out into the little, little like uh, shallow lagoon area and they're like oh yeah you'll be safe over there but he's not because mm-hmm. I like how you call the shark Jaws but the shark's not called Jaws I'm just no. calling it Jaws um so Jaws I know so yeah. Jaws the name well it's Bruce is what they call Yeah him, that's what they called him but but Jaws basically yeah. uh, shows up and there's this guy in a little red boat who's just like, hey, should you kids be out here? And Jaws rams his boat, knocks him over and super eats that guy in front of Brody's older son and who has this like great this sh- traumatized look on his face. The shot of like the guy's severed leg just floating down on like resting on the floor. Definitely close my eyes for that part. Oh, there's definitely. a great shot. Definitely did. So you I, think even- I've seen it. I think I've seen it once. I see the, the tennis shoe and I know where this is going. Okay. I don't know how much of leg we're going to see, but I Oh, you I know see it. his whole leg. It's cool. like up to the, like the top of the thigh it's great um so yeah super traumatized super traumatized like in shock where he can't even speak kind of traumatized yes and he gets out kind of just he gets out just in time i also really like that there's um kind of in the middle of all this you know that random sequence where it's like the two fishermen that we never see before or yes. after and they are uh trying to catch the shark yeah like but from a dock and so the shark uh bites the line and rips the whole dock with one of the guys on it um, out to the ocean. And I think it's just to kind of show how powerful the, sh- the shark is. Yeah. But my favorite line in it is uh, from these two guys where 
the guy is swimming. He's, you know, he's fallen off the, uh, the dock and he's trying to swim back to the dock. And I'm always a sucker for those sequences where like, it's coming and you're swimming and it's coming and you're swimming and you know, swim faster. Swim yeah. Faster. And he says, Johnny, take my word for it. Don't look back. And I was like, I would be right with you. Cause I feel like if there was a shark on my tail and I was swimming, do not look back. Like yeah. the paralysis that would set in because you see the mouth that is coming would be so horrifying. Um, so basically after Brody's son is traumatized, uh, Brody's like, that's it. I've had it. Like, so they're going to hire Quint, um, even though he's completely insane. And the three of them, even though Brody's afraid of the water, are going to get on the orca, right? Yes. Um, Which is uh, the only, the orca, the killer whale, is the only known predator of the great white shark. Oh, okay. Ding, ding. Look at that. And it all comes together. It all comes together. I like that one of Quint's uh, demands when going on this mission is he needs a case of apricot brandy. That's right. I remember that apricot brandy. That's it's like very, very specific. Very this is specific. what I want. This is how I like to get drunk. Um, so, yeah. And, and there's a lot of, and it also begins in this kind of relationship with the three men of uh, Quint really does not like Cooper. Like he, he calls him college boy a lot. Um, and he makes him tie knots in front of him. And so there's but this. But doesn't even look when he does it. Uh, yeah. It like matter. he totally, he's like tie a sheep shank. And he's like, all right. And he like does it. And then he like doesn't even look at it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love it. But he just hates him. Like uh-huh. he just, he hates all his equipment. He hates that, you know, he's not like his hands are city hands. And, and they're, you know, it starts where it's sort of this very kind of angry. And I think that Hooper really doesn't like that. Quint doesn't respect him. Yeah. Like he feels really like he's earned his keep. How dare you, sir? And you know, you're so bonkers. And he is bonkers. Yeah. And you get this kind of tension between the two. Yes. Um, and I, so that all three go out to get the the shark. And I, I, I wish that they have, I wish that they would address Brody's problem with the water. Mm-hmm. Because they, like, where's that come from? Yeah. Cause they don't. And I think that they Does give, it matter? It, I don't know. I, I guess you get a little bit of Hooper, sorry, a little bit of Hooper backstory, a mm-hmm. little bit of Quint backstory. Mm. You don't get really any kind of Brody backstory. Right. And I feel like if it's like, I almost drowned when I was 10 or like whatever, but like... But would that give you anything in the movie? I don't know. Just to say like, I'm afraid of the water and then like, don't, don't explain it. Seems Got it. it I don't know. It I seems bet like you, it was one of those things that got cut out. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Because like, you're right. Everyone else sort of has their like background story except yeah. for Brody. And that makes a lot of sense. And he's your main guy. So. And he is your main guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's my one criticism. No, no, fair play. But I do like when they first start going out, the Brody's the only one who's wearing a life jacket in the beginning, you yeah. know, and, and well, after they have a few encounters with the shark, he's like, forget it, you know, because if you fall in the water the life jacket isn't going to do anything for no. you. Like that's He's not just the problem. Chomp that up. Correct. So you're just like, forget it. Um, so you have, they have, they sort of have a lot of, as they go out, a lot of these various kind of close encounters with the shark where we start seeing it more and more and the, they're chumming the water and it's following them and they're doing a lot of business with the barrels and sort of the barrels are representing the shark, which I think is great because then they can really use, they have, <laughs> you and I talked about the, like the, the barrel theme music, like yeah. the barrel has its own like, dun, 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 like music, like adventure music, adventure music. Yeah. Where like they harpoon it with the barrels and they start following the barrels and presumably the shark is not supposed to be able to dive deep dive with the barrels on him but he does anyway because he's so powerful so massive so massive um and one of my favorite shots is also in the sequence where um they've lost the shark for like the third time and so brody's back out there chumming the water again and he's looking behind his shoulder as he's chumming the water and then that's one of the first times where you really see jaws come out of the water full teeth full eyes which is the stuff of nightmares and um uh brody whips up into frame yeah like that great like so quick whips up it just like whips into frames. He's so like, did that just, and he's smoking mm-hmm. the cigarettes, just kind of like hanging. And then that's when he backs into the cabin and says the classic, I think we're going to need a bigger boat uh, line, which is great. Cause when you first see him out of the water, you realize the shark is so much bigger than the boat they're on. Yeah. 
And that's like, what, what's the plan there? What's the plan there, fellas? Right. Like, you know, the animal is bigger than the boat that you're on. Like, I don't know how you're going to do that. Um, so eventually they start doing, they uh, eventually harpoon it with three barrels. And Quince kind of, as the sequence is going on, is getting madder and madder, frankly, because he's just sort of like, no, he can't go down with three, not with three. He totally does go back down with three. Um, and that night, they have one of my other favorite sequences of this movie. Probably the best sequence in the film. It really is. And it's uh, it's where you kind of figure out Quint's deal. And he tells the story of the USS Indianapolis. And I love that when he just, they're sort of swapping scars and all this kind of stuff. And uh, uh, he mentions it kind of casually that he was on the US. And, and Richard, it stops Richard Dreyfuss cold. He's like, you were on the Indianapolis? Like, you can tell that Quint is just in a different category for him now. Yeah. And Brody's like, what's that? Like, he doesn't know the story. And this amazing monologue Richard uh, Robert Shaw gives um, where he talks about 1,100 men went into the water and mm-hmm. 360 came out. And of the 1,100, they got themselves into groups and the sharks just came for them. And no one knew where their boat was when it sank. So they were out there for like three nights or something. And the men would get together in groups and then... I forget exactly what he says, but he says something about, you know, the sharks would come and their black eyes would roll white. And it was it's it's just so it's one of those great things where you kind of let the actor show the possibility of terror that your movie has. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, because I think so often, especially in horror movies, it's like we're going to show you the scariest thing. And I I mean, and I'm freaking terrified of sharks, but I think his the visuals of his monologue you can't look away from. And I think it absolutely is the scariest thing because everybody is picturing themselves being in the water, being part of those 1100 and just seeing night after night. I forget what he says, but it's just like they were losing like six guys an hour to sharks. And you're just like, are you kidding me, movie? Like and you just have to hear those people screaming as they die. And, and then you suddenly you're like, oh, Quint's insane. Like yeah. you, you and I yeah. talk about that twang. Some yeah. people have the twang movement and they can just never come back from it. It's And that's it. It's yeah. like that, that will like the rest of your life is now completely different because of this time. And then all, spent. and also for what's to happen to him later. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Ugh, don't like it. And the, the, I, the monologue is one of the best monologues in film. Mm-hmm. And then you, you cut to Richard Dreyfuss face just like gaping in wonder it's yeah. such a like a great because it's just how the audience is feeling at that moment you just go yeah. wow it's so great okay yeah That's... um yeah uh and then the the that sort of moment is broken by jaws starting to ram the boat mm-hmm. and physically attack which again is just a completely and start to like idea. break the boat break the you know boat. as he's Flood just finished engines. talking about this boat sinking uh-huh. uh, now the boat starts to sink uh-huh um and so they decide that like none of this harpooning like they're not going to drag it back to shore like that's not working um so richard Dreyfus is like hey i have this cage i have this i have this shark cage that not, i can definitely get into that, it's we can definitely throw idea. it over the that, side that shark is so big come on man i mean it's i'm just like you are and i understand like there's not a lot of good choices here but i'm like oh man richard Dreyfus. um so they they build the cage and they have the like the little uh, building cage lever, montage building cage montage um there's a lot of like working together montages yeah um and the camaraderie it, i know they're trying they're trying um and so he goes in and the shark just decimates the cage and those sequences were and i know that's these are some of the sequences where they actually used a real shark for right. it um i mean it's just a nice did you watch nightmare. any of that sequence i did yeah okay. i think i did Mm, hang on. <laughs> you think yeah. you think you did <laughs> i think because it's pretty brutal i don't remember consciously looking away okay. but i'm yeah, okay. I think I saw most of it. Um, it's, I, but it's mostly just because when once he starts breaking the cage and the whole shark filling up the cage, going all the way up and like little 
miniature drive is is like trying to squeeze his way around the mouth and right. it's just the it's just it's nightmares. Uh watching it this time I thought about the how terrible it would be to be panicking while having a scuba mask on. Oh, where yeah. you're breathing and then you would start breathing crazy and then you would be getting more oxygen and it would probably oh, be, make you pass out. Yeah, it would be this like huh. it would heighten the panic, I yeah. think. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, no, that is that that's very true. Um so somehow like Grace of God, Richard Dreyfus is able to kind of like uh, I think he gets out the bottom or kind of squeezes out the side, and Jaws gets caught up in the cage and just destroys it, and, like wrenches it basically out. And he sinks down to the bottom of the floor, just kind of like kind of hanging out. Hides yeah, exactly. Behind a rock. Um, and at this point, good plan. The, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, at that point, like there's not a lot of good choices. You're in the water with Jaws. Yeah. Like you do what you gotta. Um, and so uh, at this point, the orca is filling up with water. The engine's flooded. Like black smoke's coming out. All this kind of stuff. And Jaws, you have a couple of sequences where you see the shark uh, kind of as the boat starts to sink, leaps out of the water and throws itself on the side, which is really crazy. And the boat starts to sink um, from the back. And this is the part where I was like, nope. And I, I even listening to it. It's really upsetting. I'm like, I need to watch a lot of puppies and kittens tonight. Okay, to well, let, um, let me describe this part then, because okay, you didn't even do. watch this part. Not I, a bit. I, I've seen part. I saw. I saw. I would say half of it the first go round, but this last go round definitely not. Okay, it's it's fantastic because Jaws like he's like he's this bigger than the boat. He's enormous, and so he's you know his weight is is angling the boat down mm-hmm. so that everything's sliding towards him. Uh, and they're trying to hang on, but Robert Shaw can't hang on, and he slides oh, yeah, Roy down. Roy Shaw's the top. Yeah, and, um, and and like he has Robert Shaw, and then he like they let go. Yeah, yeah, and he like slides down, and he's trying not to get in the mouth. He's trying to kick it, and like it's just not working, and slides right into the mouth. And there's just so much struggling, and like just chomping down in the middle. You get like blood coming out of his mouth. It's delightful. It's a horror show, and he's like the screaming, the screaming, oh the screaming. His death is is fantastic. which is crazy because remember in the monologue he talks talks about the sound of men screaming yeah. when they've been bitten mm-hmm. that like men make this specific yell when their torso is being chomped in half which is the stuff of nightmares right. um and and he does that scream so even though i was looking away from it just because i don't want to actually see the chomping i can hear the chomping yeah. and i can hear the scream and it's i feel like any gory we give this movie it's because of that yeah like it's because of that whole thing and mm-hmm. so basically yeah everything that he had kind of feared happening to him 100 percent happens to him um, but, and, but Jaws is not full. No, no, I could eat like nine guys today. Yeah, uh, says so he's, Jaws. he's having a, he's having a hungry day. Yeah, so he decides to come back for Roy Scheider. Right, um, and and he kind of comes into the side of the boat and breaks the glass, and Roy Scheider is able to get like one of those oxygen tanks into his mouth, kind of in a desperate like throw things at because it. Because you know? Richard Dreyfuss had set up that these air com- this compressed air tanks will explode. They're right, very... but I feel like in the moment he's just throwing shit at it. Yeah. Like I think it's like that thing you know in horror movies when like the killer's coming to you and people start throwing like kitchen like cookie jars and you know just. Yeah. whatever out of panic i feel like he throws the oxygen tank in its mouth out of panic um and then jaws kind of scuttles off for a second and the boat is like down like the majority he is of the boat on is the mast he's on the mast and he has the rifle and like this is it like the you know the, the theme music is in full swell and it's coming towards him and it's got like bits of robert shaw yeah in his teeth mm-hmm along with the oxygen tank and is coming towards him and uh he fires once twice three and then says smile you son of a bitch and hits the tank boom boom it's a really big jaws explosion yeah you get to see a big bloody explosion mess yeah um that's that's a big it's a big bang ending it is a big bang and then like sort of the back half of jaws is kind of sinking in and then i was like aren't there like four more of these movies and she's like yeah yeah like but 
Never mind. Doesn't matter. Okay. It's fine. And then, you know, we say it's like Jaws' has, sister. He has a sister. You know? An angry, angry sister yeah, it's who like was fri- watching from the side. It's a Fright Night 2 situation where, like, you situation. killed my brother and now I'm going to come and, like, do right. revenge. Mm-hmm. You call Pumpkinhead the shark version. Right. Exactly. This is going very awry. <laughs> um, um, but basically, yeah, so Roy Scheider is, you know, now in the water, which he is afraid of, but Jaws is dead. And so, yay that. And, and then thinks that Hooper is dead. Because right. Because the, they found the mangled cage. Yeah, but yeah. actually. Uh-huh. Hooper, Hooper surfaces. Hooper. And they have a little laugh. They do have a good moment and I like that the laugh I like that the the you're alive you're alive is just a laugh yeah. I really enjoy that and then Hooper says Quint uh and Brody says no yeah. and that's it and I like that I like the simplicity of that and then they kind of put together some of the barrels and just kick their way start heading back to land like huh I wonder how far that way that is all right and you can see the seagulls are starting to eat yeah bits of jaws it's I, I think it's a it's a you have like the big bang and then you have this very strange just like and then they kick their way back to shore. It's a very strange ending. And then it's just credits. And then I, I feel like though it kind of bookends the beginning though, because it's sort of like remember with Chrissy's death, it's sort of like incredibly dramatic, violent death, and then it cuts back to like water gently lapping the right. shore. And so this is sort of the same. Like the big thing they've been stressing out about is now gone. So it's just kind of quiet. They're like, so how do we get back? How do we do this? You know? I think it's kind of bookendy, and so I think that's kind of cool. Well, of course, this movie is a classic for a reason. It's a it's a great film with yeah. stupendous performances, amazing effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, the 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 music and the camera work and yeah. everything. And I I think you know I mean it's sort of I suppose Brody and Hooper are sort of final boys I guess, yeah. um, final duo. Um, and I will say that as horror movie survival guide characters go, they do a hell of a lot to try and I mean yeah. Jaws is clever. He is clever and he is big and I feel like they're really going for it. Like I I think Quint makes ultimately most of the mistakes he makes because he's insane. So I think a good tip is don't try and beat a big bad if you're crazy because probably that won't work out for you. Your craziness I think will get in the way. Um, But they really try everything. And so I think they're pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of main horror movie guys. Yeah. So uh, gore factor for this. One, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. And five, run for the bar fag. Um, We gave this a four. So it's not the most, but bathtub of blood... Definitely. Yeah, uh huh, a hundred percent. Yeah, we got some gory. So we got lots more blood than you know. You get explode blood no. explosion and so much eating, blood, so much blood eating explosion, people. blood explosion. Um, uh, then we have movie ratings: uh, one to five chainsaws. One if you're desperate. Two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three seen worse, seen better. Four not too shabby. Five fantastical. So, Marion, you give this a five fantastical. Uh huh. I inexplicably gave it a four and a half. Four and a half. What's there your half? Were, because there's know. no dirty boy, and so I, you're like, maybe. I'm missing, I'm missing a dirty boy. These boys are a little grown up and beardy for me. They're pretty know? beardy. Yeah. I, I need like a Norman Bates type. That's true. Yeah. You Sorry, know? this movie does not provide you with that. I guess not. Or if you did, he probably got eaten. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what that's about, but that's what I said. Isn't Lance Guest in one of these sequels though? I, don't, I haven't seen any of the sequels. Oh, okay. Have I you? thought I saw no, but I thought I saw on IMDb that Lance Guest I think is in Jaws two or Jaws three. Oh. So maybe the perfect Jaws movie uh, awaits you. Lance Guest is okay. <laughs> uh, so next week we're going to be talking about uh, Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs, which I feel like is a Wes Craven movie that people do not talk that much about. No, um, but we will. We will. Yeah, because there's some interesting things going on here. It's Wes Craven. You know, there's always going to be something good in a Wes Craven film. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, just at all. Anyway, we'll talk about <laughs> it next week. Save it for the podcast. <laughs> all right. Bye, guys. Bye. Brain to survive.